Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Passion Project, the podcast about passionate people and the things that drive them. I'm your host, Taylor Reed, and happy holidays, happy holidays. Uh, Only during this time of year will you get me to sing on this show. (laughs) Maybe that's not true, but... Um, oh, the merry bells keep ringing. Wow, I I love Christmas and I love this time of year. And uh, I know you guys have probably heard me say it again, but this is officially the kickoff season of Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all those holidays. That um, if you're listening, you may celebrate one of those. So um, merry Christmas. Uh, holiday season and if you are um, listening today on the day that this is released um, you know belated happy belated Thanksgiving (laughs) Um, if you do celebrate Thanksgiving just spending time with family friends whoever um, just a time of reflection and um, you know being thankful for uh, is so important um, during this kind of crazy year that we've had if you guys are just tuning into the show Welcome. Um, we love having you here. Um, thank you to all our listeners who have listened before. Um, again, if you are just tuning in, go back and listen to some episodes. Some uh, We have some incredible guests um, before this one um, that I'm just so thankful and blessed that they were able to take the time out of their schedules to be on the show. Um, so thank you to all those guests. And um, please, please go back and listen and share those episodes that you love. Um, if I haven't said it before, um, I definitely have haven't said it in a while, but if you are listening to us on iTunes, go ahead and leave us a review and give us a star rating here at Passion Project. Um, as much as somehow that is good for the algorithm of the show, um, we just also love hearing from you guys and hearing feedback and what you guys love uh, and what you guys want to see. So, uh, if you guys leave a comment or a review on the Apple page, um, you guys may uh, just hear your review on the show. So maybe I'll go ahead and read um, some reviews later on um, so you guys can hear your review on the show. So go ahead and do that if you're listening to us on iTunes. Also, you can find us on um, Spotify, of course, on SoundCloud, and on Google Podcasts as well. Uh, you know, wherever podcasts are found, um, go ahead and look uh, at that if you need to. So if you uh, have not already, go ahead, follow us on social media, passionproject.pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, go ahead and follow me, the Tay Reed. Um, you guys know this, all the stuff, all that stuff in the link below. Um, if you want to reach out to me, if you want to reach out to the show, if you want to ask any questions, if you want to suggest a guest, even if you want to be on the show, I'd love to have you. Um, go ahead and send me an email, passionprojectpod.org at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> this week on Passion Project, we have such a special, special guest for you guys. Obviously, you know already. I'm very grateful for the guests we've had, but this guest in particular, you guys have just been so excited, kind of uh, knowing about this for a couple months. And um, when I first started the show, I, I said, if I can get this guy in, on, on Passion Project, then I will be um, ecstatic and just so excited. And I, I didn't think it was possible um, because we don't live in the same um, state. 
um, in in the U.S. But um, thankfully, technology and unfortunately, this pandemic is going on. But we're used to doing things virtually that uh, we were able to to get this in the cans. So, of course, you guys know already, but Kevin T. Porter is our guest on episode 30. Such a big episode for the show. Wanted you guys to have a special treat on um, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, so, Kevin T. Porter, of course, uh, if you don't know, he is a podcaster. He is a comedian. He is a writer. He's honestly such a big influence in the way this show was created can't wait for you guys to hear all about his journey into podcasting, all the shows he's done, um, and what he's doing today. Um, so thank you, Kevin, for being on the show. Go follow him, all that stuff in the link below. And um, without further ado, here's episode 30 with Kevin T. Porter of Passion Project. that like doing these zoom recordings you're like okay now i'm recording <laughs> it's like yeah so you gotta say it out loud just to get yeah. everyone on the same page if you don't yeah. bad things happen because before you can kind of you could kind of like sneak it up on people and they were like oh are we recording now <laughs> yeah there's not that oh are we recording now does not exist no, anymore because no. everyone has to be their own engineer um well kevin kevin t porter i'm gonna use your full name because that's Please. just way more fun right yeah, well, I'm glad you got the writer. I'm glad you signed <laughs> off on it. Yes. And now I'm glad. I know you, you wanted like five green anything, M&Ms or something, right? Like, I wanted four. The fact oh, that you okay. said five is very disrespectful right I'm now. Sorry. And I'm yeah. tempted to walk off the podcast, but I won't because I'm really <laughs> nice. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you for, I really, really appreciate you doing this. And um, thanks for having me. Yeah. What a, What an honor to be invited into anyone's home virtually. <laughs> Yes. It is so funny, like the, the barrier for uh, for people's participation in things now. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. even saying me, but I'm just saying like, oh, I guess, yeah, Brad Pitt will just do a Zoom right. thing. He's bored. He doesn't yeah. know what to do. Sure. I know. I've been, up. I'll just, I've, what I've learned from doing this is just like, just be willing to ask people. And most of the time they'll say yes. But I have gotten a few where they're like, no, I'm too busy. And I'm like, everyone, no one's doing anything now. Like, I don't understand. I wouldn't say if I turned something down, I would not say, no, I'm too busy because that would be a lie. I'm I'm not too busy. I would be able to do it. If you get asked to guest on a podcast and you don't want to do it, don't say you're too busy. Tell the truth. Yes. Always. I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, I appreciate it as a very big fan of yours. I just really appreciate it. Um, Uh, Thanks. And I, I actually want to, first of all, I have two things to say. First of all, I am loving the beard. Thank um, you. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I haven't gotten that, explicit. Is that controversial? No. Okay. No. Well, I have a few detractors in my personal life. A few friends are like, I like you without the beard. Like, mm-hmm. they won't even say mm-hmm. I hate the beard. But they How does say, your mom feel? I think she's fine with it. Okay. I think I, I, she, she's fine to neutral. She's not negative about yeah. it. Because my mom, um, for a long time, she kind of fought me. I just like, to a certain point, when I as I got older, I was like, I just don't want to shave any. Like, I just, I look like I'm five when I shave. So yeah, I get that. And sometimes I miss a clean shaven face, to be yeah. clear. But, but this is what I need to do. This is probably the only like once I, uh, 
with the hair, once I cut it, I'm not mm-hmm. ever going to go this long again. Mm-hmm. The beard, maybe I would bring back in fits yeah. and spurts, depending on my seasonal depression. But otherwise, like I would, I'm never going to grow my hair this long again. This right. is it. This is, this is my last stand, unless I truly go into a dark place in the next couple of decades. But otherwise, this is, this is it. Uh, for the beard. Is this the longest your hair's ever been? I think yeah. since high school. High school okay. might have been like a little bit longer. Yeah. But basically, yes, this is the longest it's been in 15 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I'm, the I'm second thing it. I was going to say was just happy belated birthday. You just celebrated a birthday, which is so exciting. I did. That is true. <laughs> yes. I turned 31 years old during uh, the global pandemic in 2020. Yes. So I yes, also had a birthday as a ver- pandemic. Recording this like five days ago. Oh yeah. How, how did yeah. it feel? Did you celebrate it? It, uh, we, it was mostly just my wife and I, <laughs> um, but we, she, and I've said this before in a previous episode that she got a bunch of, um, of our friends and family and like made a video compilation of like everyone being like, sorry, we can't come and celebrate with you. Like, and some of our friends obviously are all over the U S so they wouldn't even be able to, but, um, yeah, it's been, it was definitely weird. Like we ordered food out, but like we didn't do any, any party or anything. So it was strange. Yeah. And kind of feels like a lost year sometimes. I'm trying to find ways so that it doesn't just feel like our lives got put on pause for however long this is going to be like two or three years, but that we're finding ways to adapt and and change with it but there's also something too about the expectation obliteration of having a birthday right now where you're not going to be disappointed because now there's nothing that it has to live up to you if you feel good at all then it was Mm. a success it's fine (laughs) you know right right that's so true Uh, Well, that kind of perfectly leads in. The first thing I like talking to people about on the show is just kind of their like COVID story because, or COVID journey, um, because everyone's is so specific. But how have you, I mean, as of recording this, it's been like seven or eight months since like everything kind of went down and crazy. Um, But how have you been like processing this time? What has it been like for you? Like all of that. I think it started, I started from like a easier place from it than a lot of people I know, mm-hmm. which is a mark of privilege. I live alone. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I have a pretty decent life and I felt the capacity to continue to reach out to friends even during it. And mm-hmm. so I didn't, like, I didn't default to anxiety or depression with any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I... It, it it just didn't like that's just not how I'm built. I don't think it's because I'm better than anyone, but I just feel like I felt particularly well equipped for the moment of like, oh shoot, there's gonna be a lot of things I miss and that I'm gonna be sad about, but I don't feel this impending spiral of despair coming. And um, right. and then yeah, like kind of feeling the pause and kind of feeling like the snow day aspect of. I don't know. I guess we're all going to do push-ups on Instagram for the next <laughs> four months or whatever the case was. Right. And right. and then, like we were talking about, once you have a little bit of stable ground under your feet, mm-hmm. figuring out, okay, well, this is what it is, and this won't change, and I have to assume that the rest of my life will be a version of this for mm-hmm. the foreseeable p- future. I'm not going to put any time stamp on mm-hmm. or expiration date to it. So how do I, how do I 
not just survive, but kind of thrive, thrive as much right. as you can, make sure that relationships don't go by the wayside, make sure you're tending and cultivating the right things, making sure that that you're still living, that you're not just, mm-hmm. I woke up today and I went to bed and I ate in between, right. but just actually living. And so I feel like, I think that honestly didn't start for me until July. July, okay. I started propositioning people more to, do you want to meet up in a park safely, mm-hmm. six feet apart? Right. I got more into doing just like everyday things like baking, like getting into a rhythm mm-hmm. of like running in the morning, going on a jog, baking, meeting up with someone, and 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 getting into those rhythms. Even like doing podcast stuff on Zoom, mm-hmm. and like I feel like people who've been doing it consistently now are pretty acclimated to the rhythm now. Now it's right. not just like. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Like, like that doesn't exist as much for people anymore. And so it's nice <laughs> to feel that collective adaptation with people. So right. I feel like um, there's definitely been challenging things. There's been, mm. there's been friendships that have been tested and challenged a lot. And there's definitely been a lot of self-reflection because you have a lot mm. of time for it of like, okay, what are my values? What do I care about? Where am I going? with? That seems to be stuff. the general theme is that self-reflection is like a huge thing right now. Yeah. And you just kind of can't run away from yourself right now. And you can't, when you don't have the, um, there's good coping mechanisms and then there's a way to use those coping mechanisms unhealthily to distract. And when you don't have anything to really distract from who you are as a person, right. you do have to face some sometimes like unpleasant stuff. Even if you're like fairly well adjusted, you're in therapy, like yeah, I'm in yeah, therapy yeah. now. This is my second Zoom call of the day. My first one was a, a Zoom call with my therapist. Right. And, but even even with that stuff, it's like there's still there's still pain attached to that. Mm. And even with like life kind of being like a lot of life being paused when you don't have, oh, I'll just go out and have dinner with friends tonight. It'll be fine. I'll just go mm-hmm. to the movies by myself tonight. Uh, kill three hours, get some popcorn, whatever. When none of those things are available, all you have to do is think about who you are, what you want, what you care about. I mean, I guess you could distract yourself with Netflix and and other activities like baking sometimes is a distraction. But I find that with those things, I wanted to use them to serve as a a definition or redefinition or to process my identity well rather than Mm. to distract from what it is which i'm describing in such a highfalutin way and in reality (laughs) it's like how successful am i at any of these things maybe none at all but it's even like and even having a birthday and then comparing that to what birthday stuff was last year it's put me in then like i think in the last week i've been in this like really reflective zone about like what do i care about who and and who who like as in people and friends will i invest in in a way that says i want you to be in my life for the rest of my life for as, as long as it's possible and feasible healthily and do you feel that pressure do you feel like that's a pressure though as you get older like what do i need to ref, i need to think about those things like does that make yeah, sense yeah yeah i think so well because there's just this sort of mulligan decade of your twenties. If you want it to be of yeah. you're out of college and you're just figuring it out. And <laughs> if you end up being a slacker, wasting time, that's all a part of it. And it's all a right. part of the process. And then you, you, you start creeping more towards 30. And for me, maybe it's specific to me, but I think some people would share in it. You just realize I'm not a kid anymore. I'm entering into my fourth decade on earth. 
I've completed three. So what is it, wh like what are the rhythms that I can establish now that can carry me to the rest of my life and, and not fill me with, not even like regret, but just right. I'm not wasting time. Or yeah, that yeah, I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I have yeah. like anchor points of yeah. morality or code or decency or the things that I care about and the ways in which I'm in people's lives and they're in mine. And just kind of like, you're going to die. You don't know when, how long right. is it going to be? And just feeling that more, feeling that more during COVID and feeling that more with your birthday and feeling that more yeah. in your thirties. So all those things have kind of uh, come together for me mm -hmm. to uh, make me really reflective. Like, Oh, there's like a lot of areas that it's easy to not, pay attention to or or it was yeah. easy to before yeah. and now like some of it's really hard but take the opportunity to really define okay i i don't want to do this anymore i want to do more of this now not even just behavioral stuff but just yeah. i know i i would have been handling this a lot differently probably if i hadn't lived in la for 10 years before this right. started right if that was the case if i just gotten here even like a year ago it would have felt mm. Yeah. so much worse so much different because it's now like i have history here and i do have people i've known for yeah eight nine ten years here yeah and, and ten uh, years is a long time i mean that's a long time to yeah to build a life i mean it's a really long time yeah i don't know if you agree too but i think because everyone's covid story is so different it's like i i found it at least too it's like it's okay to like have a day where i just watch netflix all day and it's a it's okay to like have a day where I go and run or whatever. Like uh, one day I'll sit on the couch and do nothing. And one day I'll do something productive, like be okay, like sit in that place of like, you don't have to be, you don't have to bake like 5 million breads every day. <laughs> like you don't no. have to learn a new language during this time. You don't have to like, it's totally okay to just like do what you, how you're feeling, do things like how you're processing the time. No, you, do, you don't yeah. have to do your King Lear. But, um, yeah, 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 and and there is like for sure an element of of survival that is still happening mm -hmm. and experiencing grief and experiencing trauma and doing the things that we need to do to take care of ourselves. I think again, that's a part of the self reflection: is what can I, what can I give? What what can I withstand? What can I be okay with? And what am I not okay with? Mm. To get to a point where it would be very easy for me, and I do have those days, but it'd be very easy for me to say. Well, here's another wash. Let's do TV for 12 hours. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be easy and I would yeah. be justified and okay with doing it. So, truly, anything at all, anything resembling goodness or productivity right now is like an act of resistance when so much has been taken away from us. Yeah. So, you do yeah. have to think of it like that. Like, the bare minimum of being alive <laughs> right now is an act of resistance. Like, there's yeah. not a lot. There's not a lot of um, hope we've been given from authority or even from culture. All we can do is what we can do for each other. Mm -hmm. And and not in a nihilistic way, but hopefully in, right. a, in an optimistic way where, okay, so no one's going to give you meaning anymore. So you have to create meaning with the people around you. You have to decide what this day is and why it matters. Mm -hmm. And that sort of thing and feeling emboldened or empowered to say my life's not worthless now. I'm not a valueless person right now. Right. And the people around me don't like value either. So how do I, how do I do that? And kind of 
it is a little, it's, it's such a overwrought, overused metaphor with this mm-hmm. stuff, but it does feel kind of like fighting a war with it. And just like yeah. the oppressive force of not being able to do things and having fear all the time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. even just like routine, that's healthy exercise feels like resistance yeah hashtag welcome to the resistance <laughs> hashtag girl boss but that stuff is and and maintaining right. any friendship with any lack of proximity yeah feels like rebellion because mm-hmm. it would just be so easy to fold into ourselves and want to say put me in a coma until vaccine wake me right. up when vaccine is here Right. But I don't want to live, but you're gonna. Is that the new? Live. Is that the new Green Day song? Wake me up when vac- when vaccine is here. Yeah, wake me up when vaccine is yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. It was very. If they don't do listen. If they don't do that, I will be very upset. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get a vaccine by next September. That's maybe, true. Maybe that's the optimistic. Maybe that'll be the the song. <laughs> the song. Could be exactly. Well, thank you for sharing. There's one more question I want to ask you about all COVID stuff and then we'll swerve left away from it because mm-hmm. as much as we could talk about it all day I it's uh, I want to talk about other things um, <laughs> but I do want to ask you um, what it, what I, we talked a little bit about and you mentioned a little bit but what is like self-care been for you like what is that what kind of suggestions maybe or things you've done that have found help for for yourself during this time this is gonna feel like such um almost performative or <laughs> Mother Teresa nonsense, but making yourself a, a, a useful part of other people's lives mm. in a healthy way, but not in an unhealthy way. That right. makes so much of a difference. To put someone in the position of receiving something from you feels so much better. That's been a form of self-care for me. And that can get unhealthy and that can become yeah. whatever, like codependent or, or whatever the proper term would be for right. it. That can happen, but just the idea of, oh, I have something to offer someone else, even if it's just a nice text check-in. Yeah. That curbs me away from a lot of nihilism and dark thought because that is part of the, okay, make up your meaning, create it. No one's going to give it right. to you. And, and then actually in turn, that means when people make themselves useful to you in some ways, it feels like such a gift. Mm. So that's a part of self-care. And then otherwise, mm. um, I like, as far as activities go, I'm, I'm <laughs> grateful that, that, um, well, baking, acti- we know this, right? Well, that's what I was going to say is like, I'm grateful for the fact that what aligns as self-care for me also aligns with what is probably thought to be a cultural good in life. And I know that's not the case for people because for some people, like for me, if it literally is exercise and baking stuff and being nice Mm. to people is self-care. It's like, okay, do you want a medal? And the same could be (laughs) true of someone who says actually playing of this video game, Mm. whatever just came out for switch, that is self-care for me. But that wouldn't align with the culturally <laughs> popular idea of like a moral good. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah, I'm yeah. lucky in that sense. And I play video games too. And I watch too much TV too. But in, in I guess that stuff is self-care. It hasn't felt like that to me. Weirdly yeah, yeah, enough. Yeah, like, yeah. like that stuff has felt indulgent in a way where it's like, what is the meaning of life? Like that puts me actually in a dark space sometimes, unless I'm sharing mm. it in a meaningful way with another person. 
So I'm, I'm grateful that the things that feel that would be perceived to be acts of service for other people actually are benefiting me a lot. Mm -hmm. Taking pictures of people and sending it to them when we meet up in a park, things like that, that that's good for me. Right. But it just so happens that it also looks like a nice thing, you know, (laughs) even though everyone's form is valid, as long as you're not harming or hurting yourself or other people, everyone's form of self-care is valid. So I, I want to be, I want to be mindful. Yeah. Yeah. The video game thing too, is such a specific thing about like our culture and how like we, you know, put down people that love video games sometimes. <laughs> it's such shorthand, you know, like in Gone yeah. Girl to show Ben Affleck was depressed. They had him playing right. video. Like it's it's so it's so embedded in culture. I think part of it is true. Like anything can become unhealthy. But mm-hmm. yes, there's like, yeah, there's of course a there's a snobbery about it. It's weirdly gendered or almost sexist yeah. in a way and that it feels like an exclusively male oriented behavior or activity yeah. now this is it's not sexist against men it's sexist right, against right. women for not considering right. them to be a part of that community so yeah i that that stuff is weird and it's like well if you watch six hours of great british baking show that's that's your video game. that's you're not different <laughs> right, you're not right. that's hilarious uh, so it, it goes both ways yes yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but i want to be aware of like the things i'm like actually my self-care is being a good person like i, I just don't want to come <laughs> it's off baking cookies for people <laughs> Yeah, but it yeah. is. Yes, yes. But that doesn't make me a nice man. That just yeah, just means you that also could just like bake case. and eat them all yourself, and that would be fine too. <laughs> I could. Yeah, that would be problematic in the long run, probably. It probably but, yes. would, but yeah, that is yeah. Um. Well, thank you for talking about all of that. Like I said, we can we can talk about covid for years and years to come i i always like to talk to people about it because everyone's story is so different and people are processing so differently have you found any commonality in the way yeah for sure yeah i think just that that um thing like we said of self-reflection that's like the number one thing i found is that people even you know i've talked to moms and i've talked to single people and married people and they're all like well we've either start you know been in therapy for a while and this is we're continuing to talk about this in therapy or we started therapy so therapy automatically allows kind of self-reflection yeah um and i've had a lot of therapy in the last (laughs) yes 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 well i've said this before but i I work for a counseling office and we the amount of client we see like i mean we admit like 10 new clients a day like since covid it's kind of crazy of course yeah Yeah. that makes sense though i mean i i saw a guy for about six years regularly Mm. and i hadn't seen him since my birthday last year and i just recently started seeing him again because yeah it just got to that point of okay i I need to take care of some stuff now yeah yeah, and uh, yeah which is so so, yeah have that awareness too it's so it's so good um, I'm grateful to man. I mean, with all this stuff and the way I'm describing it, and even the resources, I feel so not even privileged in the sense of like race, gender, and socioeconomically, mm-hmm. but I also feel privileged just in the sense of I know there's a lot of people around me who do care. I've, in some ways, I've worked hard for that, and but in mm-hmm. in other ways, it's like I know that's not everyone's story. I know for some people, they haven't hugged a person since february like right. it's not right. a given that that people are 
available, open, around, and consistent mm. in mm. your life. There's some people who probably don't have quarantine cells or a quarantine partner. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I, I, I have to acknowledge all my privilege with that and then say, okay, the fact that I'm not depressed on my mind every day, that is such a capacity that so much of the world doesn't have. So how can I use that? And then that makes me yeah. feel great to be able to do that in a, in a healthy way. Mm. Mm. I love that. I love that. Um, well, we're going to get to everything that is Kevin T. Porter. I'm so excited. So from what I know, you, you were born in Oklahoma, right? Born in Tulsa. Yeah. And yes. And you then, the you, but then you, you grew up in, in Texas Houston. mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when, so you're just a Southern boy, like through and through. <laughs> kind of. Do I feel like a Southern boy? Do you still boy? feel like that? People, uh, people from Texas can tell that I have a slight accent. People not from Texas cannot tell that. Mm-hmm. I like that I'm from Texas. I'm not mm-hmm. jazzed out of my mind about it <laughs> like a lot of people from Texas are. Mm-hmm. Also, the, also, Texas isn't really the South. It's the fake South. It's not Louisiana. It's not Mississippi. It's not Tennessee. It's like, it's, it's South adjacent. It's literally South adjacent. But, it, it, but wouldn't you say when people think of the South, they think of Texas? Yeah, but yeah. I just don't know if that's accurate. <laughs> also, people out here who have been le- right. left the state think everyone rides a horse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the the misperceptions abound. But yeah. I yeah, I but I I don't consider myself southern. I just yeah. consider myself southern adjacent. Mm-hmm. So, was that did you move to Texas when you were pretty young? like I was 5. Yeah. Okay. So was the move, was that even, were you affected by that? Or was it just like, we're moving and that's what it is? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have enough emotional memories. There was no trauma. There was nothing like, oh my God, no, just make this stop. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was, yeah, that was not the case. Mm-hmm. I'd say the one thing, if I know anything about Texas is that it is hot. It's very, and we talked about that too. Like, Every time I'm like, I want to move to Waco just because obviously Chip and Joe, I mean, come on, their houses are amazing. I know people have done it just for <laughs> Chip and Joe. I don't yeah. know if I can sign <laughs> But my parents are like, it's so hot. I don't think I could ever live there. That's what they always You really say. can't. And it's not even heat. It's humidity. Well, I, right, especially right. it's Houston. But it's like, it's not that it's 98 degrees. It's that it's 98 degrees and like mm-hmm. 150% humidity. It's right. It's so disgusting. When you fly there in the summer, you feel the sweat between your fingers as you get off Ugh. the plane. Like it's just, it's swampy. It's Wasn't not- there that story of like a girl going down one of those slides that was like metal and they like burned themselves? Was that in Texas? I don't know. I Probably. I mean, sounds likely. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, a lot of burning growing up. Growing up, I didn't like the outdoors because outdoors felt right. so bad. I was like, I'm an indoor kid. I'm staying in forever. Mm. I moved out here 11 years ago. Turns out being outside is good and fun. <laughs> uh, and it's right. just not good and fun when you live on the sun mm. uh, as, as we did in Texas. Yeah. So did, did you like growing up there? Like, was it a positive experience or... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Our family liked and loved each other. I mean, we had our problems, <laughs> uh, but it was a good experience. Partially homeschooled, did high mm-hmm. school for a little bit, um, public school. But again, just like a lot of privilege growing up, uh, parents that loved us, parents that stayed together, made mm-hmm. a bunch of mistakes, but tried to do what was best. Yeah. Some conservative Christian upbringing and still unpacking that. But even that stuff, like understanding 
in reflection that everyone's just doing the best they could in terms of like the position our parents were putting us in. It wasn't like we were brainwashed or right sold off to a cult. It was just, I don't know, is this good? And, and our, our parents even have a funny attitude and, and disposition towards religion anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's like, it's not even like the most important thing in their lives, but it's almost a posture of, I think this is good. I don't know. I think this will help maybe, but it's not, it's not, they're not quoting scripture that's all the time or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a positive experience. I had, I had so much love and opportunity growing up, mm. which is funny thinking about that. And then just understanding more about the world. When you understand how well you have it, not even, again, not even with class, although that was a part right. of it, but, but just your circumstances, not having trauma, not having abuse, yep. not having a, a fractured family that was actively harmful. It does kind of frame whatever failure or lack you have in your life as more of a failure or more life. Because then <laughs> yes. you see people from much more challenging backgrounds with all that stuff succeed and thrive in ways that you couldn't imagine of, of doing. Mm-hmm. And then in, you have to, I, especially as a straight white person, a straight white male, it's just, if I'm not succeeding, then yeah, this yeah, is yeah entirely on me there is no system in place oppressing me there Mm. is no culture-wide attitude that's keeping me down this is me and if i've squandered this and i've squandered this you know Mm. and that's something you kind of came to like as you've gotten older yeah definitely that mentality yeah yeah and i felt i felt fairly grateful for it but definitely with distance especially after college Especially right. understanding more of the world and hopefully evolving into some more progressive attitudes. It's, it's astounding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's astounding how, how good I had it, how safe I, my, my childhood was marked by a lot of safety. There wasn't a lot of trauma. There were bad parts, but it was, it was not, um, it was not faith testing as far yeah. as that stuff goes. It didn't make me yeah. not believe in humanity. Yeah. I like it does <laughs> for some people. Mm. Um, and you're the youngest of three like you have a brother and a sister right i have an older brother and an older sister yes there's two years in between us all oh my gosh i didn't even know that so you know what's funny about this kevin is and we'll get to like i do want to ask you about gilmore guys like we'll get there i'm a very big fan um but listening to that show and listening to you i i very much was like we're very similar and obviously we don't know each other. Are the youngest of three? I'm the youngest of three. We're all two years apart. Exactly the same. Um, My brother is the oldest. Is your brother the oldest? My brother's the oldest. This is so weird. I don't even, I just can't even. What's your sister's attitude towards you? My sister and I are closer than my brother and I. Okay. Um, Go back and listen to my sister's episode and then go back Uh to listen to my my brother and I just recorded one and it was great. They were both great. Like we've gotten a lot closer since we've gotten older. Uh But um, my sister and I always were just like best friends. Mm -hmm. And my brother, I think because I did theater growing up and my brother did sports growing up, we were just like very different. And he's four years older than me. My brother did sports growing up. I did theater growing up as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So all of those things, I was, it's just so funny how similar it is. And then when you mentioned Adventures in Odyssey on Gilmore Guys, I literally was like, how does he know this? Like I, I, that was the one thing I was like, I'm very confused. Like, 
what that one specific thing is so it's so specific like you don't did you grow up in virginia yes i did i also yeah so those like i also grew up in a christian household and Mm -hmm. all of that i went to liberty university hey a big year for liberty a lot of (laughs) news big year for liberty that is good uh, news john krasinski liberty is back in the headlines it's a big year for liberty is an understatement isn't it Mm -hmm. um we can go on that rabbit trail for an hour but Please, um, yeah <laughs> um and i had a great experience there it was a wonderful school and i loved mm-hmm. all of my teachers and everything but um yeah i always found it funny that like i always you know i'm sure you had this experience too of when you listen to a podcast you feel like you know the people that are there and i uh, yeah and i don't know where i'm going with this but i just like felt this very connection as far as like us being youngest siblings i feel like youngest siblings i always kind of am attracted to youngest siblings i don't know why i like always meet people and they're like oh yeah like somehow in conversation we end up saying that we're the youngest and i'm like oh my gosh like we just under like there's an understanding yeah 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 um but did you so being the youngest of three for sure is like you you learn so much from your older siblings don't you i mean everyone says that about their siblings but i feel like i just saw everything the good the bad the ugly like everything my siblings did and i just was like okay that's what i'm gonna i'm just gonna learn from each and everything they did did you feel that way too yeah well the kind of rules and strictures of our house got so loosened by the time it got to me right Mm -hmm. it was more of a laissez-faire that was more strict with my brother less strict with my sister then it was kind of a free for all by yeah. the time i got to that age <clears throat> so it's a little bit different i don't i'm trying to i i learned behavioral things from them mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. i didn't feel like a i never really felt like a real mentor sensor like i looked up mm-hmm. to my big brother there was like a window maybe when i was in elementary school middle school where it's like whatever my big brother does that's that's the way to do it or whatever his taste is that's what i gotta do uh that didn't continue for that long i i have a lot of i love admiration and respect for both of them in our in our adult lives but it wasn't something there was strain on our relationship Mm -hmm. growing up for different ways where we just like kind of didn't align and kind of connect we weren't like we weren't buddies a lot of times growing up that didn't happen until mm. our adult lives, I think. right? And then it became more for so all great. three of you, or yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah, yeah. Are you all very different, like very different interests, very different, like you're all very different people? Yeah, although my brother <laughs> and I have become more alike as time has gone on. We oh, were the least alike growing up, and now we've become so alike, and mm-hmm. we maybe more than anyone else in my family. The most ideologically aligned, the mm. most, uh, just someone where I, not even that we agree on everything, but just someone I can talk to about mm. anything in ways that yeah. isn't true for the rest of my family. So that was a process over time. Um, mm. And one I'm happy for to have the space to evolve that, that friendship and that mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, that's so interesting that you you all are very separate like kind of have separate things and that now that as you're older you've kind of come together um that's so cool 
yeah it's yeah, funny how that happened i feel like that's kind of a cliche like oh you know we just we're we're more um we we get along more now that we're older isn't that kind of that's kind of like a cliche definitely but, yeah yeah but it's a it's a cliche for a reason right yeah right. I mean, there's cliches just less, are cliches for a reason. <laughs> well, we were talking we were talking about the friendship stuff, and it's just like all the microaggressions are what our dynamics as as brother and sister, like it just feels so much less life and death now, and it does feel more precious right. when there's like so much more time in between seeing mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. and you don't live under the same house, and you yeah. form your own identity. So uh, yeah, of course, like yeah. it hasn't. Yeah, I'm I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. i've said this before on the show but it's like family is such like you're forced to, it's this like forced roommate situation is like and you just yeah. like have to get along there's yeah. no like you're born into this oh where what is this household i'm born into especially being the youngest you're like where am i like who are these people a lot of the time like yeah oh, I have well to i mean people. and you don't you don't have to get along you don't have to do anything you, <laughs> right. you may want to or may not want to get along Mm. um but i we wanted to go along Mm. and we wanted to do right by our parents in that way it's almost like the sense of the fidelity or strength of our friendships especially in adult life is like this is about us it's also about making mom and dad happy in a genuine (laughs) way not not in a not in a manipulative way or like let's just appease mom and dad but just in the sense of like you don't want them to think that they invested their time in a, in a sunk cost or mm. like, like at a deficit of like, I know you literally did your best, but we all hate each other. Sorry. Like you, you do want to have <laughs> right. like healthy, strong relationships almost as like a gift you can give them in your adult life. And especially as like the dynamic changes of they took care of you. Now you're going to take care of them, especially yeah. as you get older and older. So, which is so, weird. Isn't it? It's a, that's such a weird, like learning curve almost of like, Oh, especially, yeah, if you don't have kids or anything like that, you're kind of learning as you're, yeah, trying to take care of your parents. Yeah, totally. Doing all of that. Um, I want to ask, too, because pop culture, I know, is a big thing in your life and thing that you like and love and, and it's something that I love, too. But was was that always a, a thing that you enjoyed? Like, was it always a big thing? Pretty early, yeah. yeah. I remember I had a friend growing up who was super into movies. I remember specifically the years like 2001 through 2003. Mm-hmm. We just saw so many movies together. We saw movie, mm-hmm. movies multiple times. We saw Moulin Rouge and Signs and AI and all of it. Like, Your parents let you see Moulin Rouge? Oh, my goodness. My mom took me to see Moulin Rouge the first of four times I saw Moulin Rouge as oh an 11-year-old the summer of 2001. I don't think I saw Moulin Rouge or was allowed to until I was, like, 18. Not, not, not out of I – not. I think my parents would have let me when I was older, but I just, like, mm-hmm. forgot about it or something, and then I finally watched it. And yeah, but for a long time, my parents wouldn't let me. I mean, they were like, this is too inappropriate. Yeah, that was, a, it was a defining text for me as a young yeah. boy. And it was one of those, uh, it was also a weird, you know, I wonder like upon reflection with like sexuality stuff, cause I've always identified as straight, but I think Moulin Rouge is, is um, it's definitely camp. Musicals are associated with queer culture a lot. And yeah. so it feels like a signifier of that. But I do wonder too, if the capacity and even the explicit encouragement from like a parental figure of like, 
yeah, like whatever you like, man. I don't care. <laughs> like yeah. that it was yeah. there was the the lack of stigma around it made it easier to engage with that stuff. And I, you know, to this day, I get misoriented about wait, so are you interested in women or men? Like yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. still it still becomes a question. <laughs> I do too, and I'm married to a woman. <laughs> right. So you understand, like, oh no, it's you know, it's it's yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's yeah. yes, just to be clear. I just um, talk about Gilmore girls and they're like, wait. Sure. Yeah, that was a part of it for me too. Yeah, yeah that probably continued it in a lot of yeah, ways yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that was something like specifically that movie and just how like mm. into it I was. It was it was just, oh yeah, that's that's okay. Moving on. Like it didn't mean anything beyond that. It just it was what it was. Right. It and it didn't mean something positive or negative about mm who I am it was just like it was a very pure form of taste I think yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was one shared with friends and, and even queer friends at the time when I was a kid but it was something that like it just made I'm really grateful for like inflection points like that mm. where I feel like I feel like there's certain things in pop culture and it's still happening and the amount of like doing the homework watching I did right. for in this June in particular and the mm. racial justice movement and BLM stuff it's like still shameful of like wow LA police is really messed up huh like after watching mm. the documentaries right but right. I but I but the thing I am grateful for in childhood with a lot of that stuff is engaging with explicitly or implicitly queer text and that being a gateway to empathy and even if i couldn't affirm like i believe this and this and this and this and this i i i feel like it gave me an emotional understanding of that stuff mm. that i would have lacked otherwise watching angels in america when i was 14 years old gave me an emotional understanding that i would have yeah. liked otherwise and and, yeah. and engaging with those things and then being a part of like being being friends with those people being in theater being friends with queer mm -hmm. people growing up yeah and it's yeah, like yeah. it's like it's it sucks man because it's for childhood your your values and and that stuff is so shaped by your environment and so much yeah. of that is just not up to you so if yeah. you come out of it with anything that is an objective moral good or even the seed of it it mm. it's just something to be grateful for because mm. people who grow up with backwards racial attitudes backwards misogynist attitudes and it's it's coming from childhood it's everyone's responsibility as an adult but to a degree it is something that's handed to them yeah and so it's very yeah. sad to like consider that and in the yeah. idea that someone is woke or not or that someone is mm. educated or not is like somewhat not up to them even mm. while folding holding intention the idea of every human is responsible and there's like you don't get a free pass from racism but Right. but just also having the humility too of like if you believe something different and it is closer to like objective moral good be humble about that it's not because mm. you're super smart and such a nice person it's because you were fortunate enough to have experiences that yeah led you to that place yeah what i hear from you uh, you saying that like your parents took you to moulin rouge your parents like like they definitely even though maybe they had you know you grew up in a christian household but allowed you to experience a lot of other different types of things mm -hmm. um yeah is that definitely something were you aware of that growing up? like 
aware that like I'm, you know, I'm a, I mean, in Christian culture is so specific um, that, you know, there's a lot of different types of people that um, grow up, you know, one family may do this thing, one family may do that. But um, with your, it sounds like your parents definitely allowed you the opportunity to like see different things and experience. Does that make sense? I don't know if. Yeah. Like, did I, did I appreciate the latitude? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean. Yeah, I think so. I appreciate it now more. And they were more strict (laughs) when we were like kid kids. By the time I was like 11 and 12, it was, there was a lot of liberty there that I think it's easy to moan about the liberty I didn't have. But then, you know, my, my parents trusted friends of mine who could drive to take me places and, and be friends with me and, and, and have like impactful friendship in my life and even yeah like my mom took me to my first r-rated movie in the theater and just like covered my eyes during the nude scenes or whatever but otherwise like yeah that stuff i i think they felt a responsibility to encourage those attitudes in me because Mm -hmm. it was such a sports oriented household (laughs) so much of our time effort energy and activity was configured around that and my sister's games and my mm. brother's games and those interests. So I think almost as a way to like bounce it out or make it up, they were a little more lax about that. Like, okay, yeah, sure. You can watch that Quentin Tarantino movie when you're 12. Yeah. Like, I think, I think there was a little bit of that, even with some restriction, like, I don't want you to watch this movie yeah. or I would have to check that out before we let you see it. But there, yeah, there was a lot of grace with that, I think. Yeah, and, and it is something, like- yeah. Uh, it's interesting too because i'm sure it definitely goes back to even just the youngest sibling of like oh yeah you you can watch that whatever yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) yes i don't believe 12 year old my older brother would have been able to watch fight club or whatever yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. like i definitely got i definitely got um a lot of leash with that Mm. which is so funny because that kind of definitely influenced what i mean what you're doing now i mean without that it it wouldn't have you maybe wouldn't have been what you like things that you're doing yeah yeah i mean literally with like gilmore girls and like yeah those dvds when i was yeah they came in huge Mm -hmm. seven disc uh box sets like yeah 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 even even that stuff it was it was impactful and like i i you know i was talking to my brother about an issue we were going through with the family he's like i wonder if it's like tied to how we grew up i'm like god literally everything <laughs> we go through is tied to how we grew up yeah 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 every yeah. dynamic in this family every vice every virtue it's all in some way shaped by that so of course yeah explicitly with some of the pop culture stuff it's absolutely connected to yeah today. yeah was there ever this sense of like wanting to get out of your town or like wanting to yeah doing oh, bigger things yeah. yeah 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 i grew up in a very safe suburbs and um that was somewhat affluent in like north of houston mm. um yeah and that's that and it's it was adjacent to the literal suburbs of the arcade fire album the suburbs i was woodlands texas <laughs> which is a 30-minute drive away from kingwood texas which is where i live okay. and yeah there was always that but i I almost don't trust any kid who doesn't have that feeling of like, I want to stay here forever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you don't, you shouldn't, you know, that has to, even if you do end up when you have whatever kind of like you have. Right. Of course, of course there's that drive of like, I want to leave. I want to get out of here. Do I want it to be LA? No, I mm. like that wasn't, 
I got to get out of here and go to freaking California. I had no opinion on California. Um, yeah. I just applied for this uh, program through our school, through University of Texas, okay. to do a semester okay. out here. Ended up being my last semester. I ended up getting a job offer after that. And so I just stayed mm. because it made sense. But it wasn't like LA or bust, ride or die. This is what's happening. Here we go. It just wasn't like that. I feel like a lot of things, uh, you know, and maybe this is a, a, a damning referendum on white privilege, but just like so many things that have happened, I've, I've just accepted rather than like fight for it. It's like, okay, here's an opportunity. And it's like, okay, I have to take this. Yeah. Here's another opportunity. I have to take this. You mm. know, like, I feel like, um, you know, which I have some amount of uh, mixed feelings about or guilt or like, I wonder if I like, if my drive was even like 10% more, if I would have <laughs> accomplished more by now, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. think about, I, like, are you well, operating you can't at change the top that. of your I capacity? Mean, you just, what, what's you that? Can't, you can't really change that. You can't go back and do it like, you can change it moving forward, I guess, but you can't. Like, you, you can change it moving forward. You cannot change what you've done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think, I don't know. And, and it's not like I have like an immense amount of regret. Right. It's right. all a part of it. And you have to accept your, your story, even while wishing things would have happened differently or wishing mm. you would have acted or behaved differently in different scenarios. But I think I'm just acutely aware of that. Yeah, don't you feel like that's different than regretting though like wishing you did something different I, is that different yeah I'm yeah not... yeah yeah because regret <laughs> seems like if i had the freaking time machine that get yeah. back in this would have yeah. not ruined my life if i but then if life. you go you know you time machine it and you go back it you may be a totally you're going to be a totally different person so it's so yes yeah, and i can like i can trade steps where it's like if if these 29 things in a row didn't happen then yeah. i would have never started a podcast or i never yeah. would have met my co-host Demi, or I never yeah. would have met this person who's the most important person in the world to me now, or I never mm. would have come to LA. Like there were like, like all of the events in my life. And again, being grateful for what I have. It's like, if one of those things had gone differently, <laughs> maybe your life would be better. Maybe it'd be the same, but just look different. But yeah, the fact that I have what I have, mm. it's all connect. It's all links in that chain. It's not inevitable that my life has any sense of goodness at all in it. it yeah. I, I, I don't believe that to be the case. My life could be crap right now. So I have to be grateful. For <laughs> Absolutely. So I was going to ask you, and you kind of touched on it, but like, wh why LA? Like why that city was, and it was just because like- of It that... was a school program. Like yeah, it was yeah, literally yeah. like, and afterwards I was going to go back to Texas and figure it out. And I just stayed out there in LA. So and in retrospect, if I I'm sure it, you're like, that, that was a great decision. <laughs> Yeah, but at the time I felt bad to ambivalent about it. I wasn't like, hell yeah. I was like, because oh, I moved out here when I was 20. I was pretty young. Yeah. You know, like it's not like I was 23 and it's like, listen, I've done, you know, I've I've been legally drinking for two years. Like I was yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still a kid. I was 20, you know, and so it's scary to not even move to a different city, not even to a different state, but a different time zone from like what you've mm. known all your life. Yeah, it was pretty loaded. And there were a lot of fraught things with that. But um, did you ever have um, that sense, though, of like, because I feel like the big cities for entertainment, quote unquote, are like New York and L.A., um, but or maybe Chicago even or something like that. But kind of Chicago, <laughs> kind of Nashville for music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of maybe Atlanta, but no, it's yes, it's New York. And LA. Yeah. Did you even in college have that sense of like, I'm going to get to one of those cities eventually or? 
No, I mean, I had like real abstract <laughs> dreams, but again, I did yeah. have a vision board. I oh, didn't okay. have. Which is totally fine. I just wanted to. <laughs> oh, and when they offered me the job, I worked as a personal assistant to a composer for the first couple of years I was out here. Mm. And when they offered it to me, they're like, are you staying out here? And I, I said, no, I think I'm going to go back to school and take some more classes for a last mm. semester. I was just going to like, after, after I had all the credits to graduate, I was just going to, I probably would have just bummed around in Austin for another half a year. And right. then hoped I got hired somewhere, hoped I got a job, not having yep. anything lined up. So I, I don't, I don't know what I think was going to happen, but that decision changed my life because yeah. I stayed out here. If I hadn't stayed out here, maybe my life would be worse. I don't think that would be the case. Overall. Well, there's no way ever that we would be doing this. So <laughs> if you that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like I just think about the, there's, there's such rich things in my life now that are connected to directly my time in LA, which is the entirety of my twenties. I spent mm. the entirety of my twenties and now one year of my third, I can make this whatever I want to be. I can cultivate this. I can grab from this. I can grab from that. I can, I can take a look here. I can put this here and I can design and shape my life and my people in a way that I find most beneficial. Yeah. And that's just not true in different kinds of towns. LA is special mm. like that. LA offers a lot of, and I'm grateful for like, and I'm saying with people that work in the industry, the people that work in comedy and people that do podcast stuff, also people that have no interest or no connection right. to it whatsoever. That work is graphic design artists or yeah. teachers or therapists and all those people, but all those people are in Los Angeles County. And all the networks of all the meaningful relationships in my adult life have come from that. Save for like a few people I've connected with from my past or maintained connection with. So I have to be grateful for that. And I do think it's, it's probably true to a large degree of any big major city. New York, there's probably even more different kinds of people. But L.A., I'm just, yes, I'm very grateful for my time here. Yeah, L.A. to me seems very much, and maybe New York too, of course, of like a town or city, maybe it's not town, it's city, uh, people coming there to do, like, to make their dreams come true, of, mm -hmm. like, one, like, people coming from all over, and it's, I mean, maybe it's becoming more and more of a thing, but I, I feel like you don't hear too many people, of like, I grew up in LA, and, like, like that. I don't know if that's true, but uh, I feel like a lot of people go there to do something specific. Yeah, know. yeah. Everyone had a reason for being out yeah. here. And I know a few people that grew up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely the minority of people. Yeah. 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 I want to talk. I, I hope I'm not projecting and saying that um podcasting is a huge passion of yours. Um <laughs> so well it's funny because it's like <laughs> it, it's weird um having worked in it in so long mm. and still experiencing both sides of the equation of experiencing for years before I did or made anything with podcast stuff, experiencing it as a listener and as an right. audience member and the meaning that it had to me, and then experiencing it as someone making it. And so, and still haven't, you know, I still listen to podcasts basically every yeah. day. There's, yeah. And what those shows are change, um, like in rotation, there's podcasts I listen to every week right now, but yeah. what those podcasts are will change every year. Uh, yeah. But it's interesting to basically now I've done it for longer than I experienced it purely as a listener. 
Mm. And it has complicated the relationship of, and especially the way the industry's gone with some of this mm. stuff, both in good and bad ways. But it's it's complicated and it's nuanced. The the passion that's in it. Right, right. Um, it's not just I love it. Like it's <laughs> it's not just yeah. that. That's a, that's always a part of it. But it's also it's everything. It's like it's almost like you're family or your job where it's like man this sucks sometimes or i don't like yeah. this and then it's like wow i remember and i understand or i get in the flow where it's like of course this is so meaningful and mm. so purposeful and this feels so good to do and to be a part of but yeah it, it goes it goes both ways and mm-hmm. and, and it's because of all the things i i mentioned before yeah 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 I wonder, I want to talk about Adventures in Odyssey for just a hot second. Yeah. The reason, it, and for people that don't know, it's a radio show for kids that's it's still a Christian going. Radio yes, Christian radio children, show for children. Made by a nonprofit focused on the family, yes. a conservative mm-hmm. Christian organization. And it's still running. I think it's still crazy that it's still going. Isn't it crazy? It's The Simpsons. It'll go forever yes, until they all the, die. Yeah, it's the Christian version of The Simpsons for sure. Yeah. Uh, may, I mean, maybe VeggieTales is that, but uh, even that ended. That's but, not as um, consistent, though. Like, like yeah. and Adventures in Odyssey is the IP of that particular yes. organization, too. And you and I had very different eras of um, Adventures in Odyssey, for sure. Yeah. But um, I wonder if, and I've thought about this even myself, of loving podcasting, is like, we listened to that as kids and now we're doing this thing that like, totally, does, does that totally, influence, totally, that totally. influence so the scene. Yeah. Yes. Because like yeah. that was it. That was entertainment. I cared about yeah. that. Like I watched TV and I watched movies, but when I was a kid, kid, that was mm-hmm. so fun. The theater of the mind, yep. listening to the cassette tapes that yeah. they came in. I have a box full of them in my closet, but. Oh, I'm um, so glad you still have them. Cause I keep mine and my wife is like, why do you keep these? I'm like, well, I know at this know. point they're just props or maybe we'll do them <laughs> after the show or something. But, but yeah, no, that, that, uh, that trained me from a young age. And I wonder, like my brother, my brother has four kids now and the oldest mm. of, of them is turning seven this year. And I wonder how it's going to translate because yeah, especially as an antidote to screens where the easiest way to entertainment-wise pacify kid is plop yes. in front of the TV or give me an iPhone or iPad yeah. and then just like he's playing a game. But I wonder if it'll intergenerationally translate. Not even Adventures in Aussie, but other like, there's so many awesome podcasts made for kids. Yeah. Story Pirates, yeah. NPR has a great one with Guy Ross. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's so much great stuff that you would hope that the things that it was stimulating and tic- tickling in our child brains when mm. we were that age would continue to do so that like just screen time hasn't decimated that possibility. Cause I do, I do believe that it gave me, and I, and I share this with other people that are like a little deter, de-church or ex-evangelical that it was the seed of so much of, Oh, I like this about narrative because adventures mm-hmm. and honesty. I appreciate this thing about audio because of yeah. adventures and honesty. So I hope that's still possible. Yeah. And just storytelling in general. I mean, they, regardless of what you think about their beliefs, of course, their yeah. storytelling was great. I mean, they had great writing on that show. Yeah. And, oh yeah. It was, and they had the best voice actors on that yeah. show. The people they had on that yeah. show were so good. They were the same people that they had on The Simpsons. Katrina Shanks yeah. was voiced by Pamela Hayden, who voices Millhouse on The Simpsons. It's yep. the same, you know, it was like the best people. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, 
that's such a niche thing that I hope someone gets that. It's just like, you know, when you referenced in Gilmore Guys, I was like, oh, wow, someone else has heard this before. Um, yeah. I wonder, well, podcast, I feel like we could talk about it, of course, for a long time, but what is kind of boiling it down to, like, what is the maybe numerous things are one thing that you just love about the medium. Like what have you found? And maybe it's different than when you started, but. Yeah. Well, there's like all the, all the grace hit stuff of like the intimacy of the medium mm-hmm. and how it feels personal. You're just talking directly to the listener and as a listener. I appreciate that too. And that connection, blah, blah, blah. For me personally, just what it's meant in my life is it's made the world feel bigger and smaller at the same time, which yeah. I appreciate. It can like, when people are nice enough to reach out or even on the very stray occasion like i'm recognized in public and then that's just like an opportunity for them to say oh i like this and then we just start talking about that thing we're not just talking about me the whole time but like it makes it make it can make the world feel like a little bit more of a small town and it's even introduced friendships and relationships into my life they're so meaningful so Mm. it's made the potential for connection big to me and there's people that I would not otherwise have opportunity or excuse to be in relationship with if not for those shows. So that so that's the personal thing to me. Yeah. That stuff could apply to whatever. Like someone who does a TV show could say that about the TV show. Yeah, 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 but yeah. but like that's just that's still the most meaningful thing for me personally is like I feel like it's a particular passion of mine or 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 area of interest mm. to make people feel connected with seen heard i try to be that friend or you know i try to be I don't, I, i'm not always that way uh and i try to do that in the mm. work that i do mm. so when people would say oh what's the best the best part about doing this show or doing this podcast is it's always the connection but like three different layers of connection. So it's being able to connect with, honestly, like, and even now with quarantine, meeting a new person every week and yeah. having an instant sort of conversation with them. Of, okay, yeah, let's connect. Uh, and it's not weird, but this is, this is the infrastructure. We've agreed mm-hmm. upon the rules. Yeah. Uh, that's so lovely and rare. There's also the connection with the listener that you can provide of, oh, we're talking about this. This makes me feel sane. This is from my past or someone else feels this way or someone else yeah. has this sense of humor, this personality. There's that. And then there's also like, so, so there's that like just amorphous parasocial mm-hmm. audience member product connection. But then also when that becomes real, there is a, there's a friend of mine I talk to every day, her and her brother, I talk mm-hmm. to every single day and we met because she was a listener of the show and she reached out like five years ago wow struck up yeah a friendship from that and there's and and i i don't have i have a few stories of that of just like we would not know each other if not for this thing and then like expressing that commonality Mm -hmm. and then yeah so i think i think those are the kind of layers of connection for me and i Mm. i appreciate that i i definitely it's it's tricky it's tricky as a creative proposition because so many people that do creative work i think do think of themselves as like craftsmen making tables of, <laughs> i made a table it you doesn't have like my jesus? face in it yeah exactly it's carpenters as our lord and savior jesus christ yeah. uh but like that the product is so separate from themselves i wrote this yeah. thing the thing is not me it's outside of myself here it is i made this for you 
and then there's products that isn't that right it's it so... depends on the show i think it, yeah. i think it totally depends on the show some shows are fully that where i listen to it and i have no idea who the person that's making it in the sense mm-hmm. of who they actually are i know something about them the way you know about a director from the movie they directed but right, right. generally no but then there's shows and, and the shows i've done thus far are more extensions of self which is a, a tricky thing i think to balance all the time yeah because yeah. then it can feel like more of an investment of like do you like me do you like the show is there a difference is it the same thing it can get confusing like that. Mm-hmm. do you feel like podcasting has become like the cool thing quote unquote is like kind of be no i, <laughs> I feel like it's like... gotten less cool i feel oh, like really? it's gotten less cool yeah yes because uh because there's more money and there's more celebrity in it and what's happening to literally every industry, what's happened to every industry is now happening to podcasting. Michelle Obama has a podcast. Right. I feel like it's just becoming everyone's doing it now. Yeah. Now, yeah. And it's just, and some of the, there's always going to be a democrat, like a democratic meritocracy to some of the stuff. Some of the cream's mm-hmm. always going to rise. But the amount of money that Spotify in particular is throwing at it, it's yeah. possible that we, we're going to think about this period of time. Maybe, and I don't know how you would market if it would be pre, I don't know, whenever the celebrity boom really first started. Office ladies, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Well, I'm sure expert to, I was going to say I'm sure expert yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. Kind of started like, it. Guess what? I can't book Monica Lewinsky. I'm not going to have Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow on my show. Yeah. I can't do it. I don't know those people. It's outside my pay grade, but if you're a host who can, and you're trying to attract a new listener who has no connection either way, you're not going to listen to me. You're going to listen to Gwyneth Paltrow, talk to Dak Shepard. That's just the way it's going to go. And then there's going to be people who are like, no, I care about concepts in the medium. I want to listen to uh, a a faux comedy, true crime podcast about the Jeremy Mm. Renner app from Caroline Goldfarb (laughs) and Sarah Ramos, who are... You know, who are, have great careers, Sarah's an actress, she's a parent, but aren't right. mega A-list celebrities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's, those audiences are going to exist, but the sustainability for doing it other than like a fun project or a lark is just going to go away. I don't know if the McElroy brothers started their podcast now. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it rises. I don't think Gilmore Guy rises to any sort of anything if it starts in 2020 for a variety really? of reasons. Really? So but, interesting. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm... I'm fairly certain of that as as much as you can be just because of the way. So I'm glad you, we can transition into Gilmore guys because I, first of all, I'm a huge fan of the show. Love it so much. Oh, thank you. Of both shows, a fan of the show and a fan of the show as, as people used to say, of course, Mm -hmm. Uh, I will admit that I kind of jumped on the Gilmore guys train a little bit late. So I didn't really find you guys until after the revival. Okay. Um, that's when I found, and I don't even know how, I just, I don't know, but I grew up with Gilmore Girls like you did. I, I mean, I think I, the first episode I ever remember seeing is the one where like Lane and them play at the club and then they get a bit in a big fight and like Zach mm-hmm. is like mean to them or whatever. And anyway, so I grew up, yeah. And then my sister and I used to watch it all the time. We used to like watch it on car rides. Like my dad's from Canada. So we used to like watch it up driving to Canada, like we really, really loved that show. And then when I found your guys' show, I was just like, this is so cool and really loved it. When you guys came to DC, I, I wasn't even aware of it. 
and I looking back, I'm like, oh, I wish I knew that you guys were in DC because I totally would have came and seen because like, you guys are in um, LA, of course. So it's just when you, it's just being closer to a certain place. But uh, as much as I could talk, like ask you so many questions about Gilmore Guys, um, there's two in particular I'm very interested in. And we've kind of touched on it a little, I think we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but the first one being, when you guys when you had the idea for the show and when Demi decided to do it like was there was there this thing of like oh these are like we are two guys doing this show and like fighting that perception of like this show can be just more be more for I'm not I don't know if I'm saying this correctly it can be for all types of people not just women like it can be for did you guys ever think about that like I mean, it, it's kind of baked into the title and the sort mm -hmm. of premise of like, wait, guys talking about girls, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't really extend beyond that because then the conversation is just our perspective. Uh, mm. And we try to be cognizant and respectful and not, you know, in a gendered way, colonize the space. Right. We try to say, well, we validated we're men and this thing for women is good because we say so. Like, we try not to do that. We try to be delicate about it. Uh, but it wasn't, I don't, I honestly feel looking back that we didn't, it wasn't like a punchline. It wasn't like, yeah. isn't it funny that we like this? That's No, silly. no. And I don't but think it, that at all either. But, but marketing wise, like, to be frank, it was, I'm sure, an attractional element. Like, because mm -hmm. that's just what the title is. So yeah. I'm sure people listen to it out of confusion or interest yeah. like but it wasn't something that we tried hitting mm -hmm. a lot it was it just was what it was and it wasn't like ironic it wasn't like ironic at all like these are these two guys like you didn't come at it like that at no all. but people yeah. probably listen to it that way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. could enjoy it that way i guess mm -hmm. um but the only yeah, reason why i asked that was. too is because every and I still get this every time I'm like, I love Gilmore Girls. People are like, oh, really? Like, that's interesting. Like, why would you like that? And, you know. That, I think that's a relic of that era. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't, that's not going to happen anymore. If you said, I love the new girl, no one would say, why? Or even if you mm -hmm. said, I don't know, I think Emily in Paris is pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. No one cares. No one cares anymore. That It's such. It's don't you so, think, though, in certain areas of the country, people care? <laughs> People no, I mean, that. I'm in a bubble where no one cares about <laughs> anything like that. Like, people don't want gender to exist at all. And maybe it shouldn't. But I, I I, don't, yeah, I mean, some people would care, but not anyone who would, who I think is worth right. taking seriously, mm -hmm. to be frank. Like, yeah. no, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's a legitimate concern. Oh, I always tell any male that has not seen it, I'm always like, give it a chance. Like, go watch it. Like, it's so great. And any show, I mean, not even just that show, other shows that I'm like, yeah, this isn't just, I mean, it's it's ultimately that show in particular. It's just about a family. It's not even about just girls. It's not even about just, I mean, it's about the girls, but that's just my opinion. But No, uh, that's, I, I'm with yeah. you. I just think, yeah. I think that our, our podcast existed during the time in which it just became not an issue anymore. Mm -hmm. I think Gilmore Girls was particularly femme, but... Yeah. No one knocked you if you said, I love girls on HBO. Right. Or if you said, I'm super into, I'm trying to think of other female like Yeah, shows. yeah, yeah. It just doesn't, it, that's. Well, Great British Bake Off so to a certain extent, right? I mean, 
Yeah, and no one's like, wait, you like, like no one does yeah. that. I, no one I know does that. So also entertainment just functions in a different way now. Well, there's so and, much, there's so much content, but there, right? But there's, but there's no center anymore. So mm-hmm. Gilmore Girls was on TV when TV was five networks and some cable mm-hmm. channels. There were no streamers and there was no other way to experience entertainment besides television, movies, books, whatever you read, yeah. zines, live show. But now it's just all entertainment is literally whatever you want it to be all the time. So yeah. with that, there's no center and there's no point of comparison, I think, as yeah. much. There, like monocultural events are big franchise movies, kind of like Marvel movies or Star mm. Wars, but even that, I don't think that's truly reflective of what children in high school or middle school care about or yeah. like the most. It's probably some TikTok person you've never heard of or, or a YouTube beauty blogger. Mm. So with that, with that absolute splintering of it, the expectations of boys like this and girls like this, it's just like, no, because well, kids are so queer now. Like there's so, there's so many out queer kids yeah. that they're like, no, I don't care what you like as long as yeah. it's not misogyny or you know yeah. problematic in any way like the, those considerations there's so much less gay panic now too it's just that's so interesting i i wonder if you yeah if you look at like our you know our generation and then you know kids growing up today of like yeah if they have fear of like liking a certain thing or or anything like or you know saying i like this one show or movie or whatever in front of their friends or anything like that i wonder if that still exists as much I th- I'm sure there's some sort yeah. of like arbitrary prejudice, but I don't think it's about gender anymore or, yeah. or would be in any way connected to uh, attitudes of gay panic. I, ju- yeah. I just don't think, I think optimistic and yes, maybe in regressive parts of the country or whatever city you might find. Sure. Maybe pockets of that exist, but not nearly in the same way that it used to. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the other question I have is, it's kind of general it's kind of broad um but just like looking back obviously you guys finished gilmore guys i guess officially and bunhead bros um in what like three years ago four years ago is mid 2017 so it was yeah June so three years ago yeah so i just wonder like even looking back to like when you guys started like would you would you tell yourself anything differently about no. the journey or anything now? Okay. Mm-mm. No, that's a big now for me. There's that, again, there's things I wish I would have happened differently mm. uh, in the sense of my, not my conduct, but like just different things I would have done to protect mine and Demi's relationship a little bit more. Right. He's right. still like a dear friend to this day. And we talk all the time. Like we're still yeah. very, he was at my birthday party this way. Like we're still very much a part of each other's lives. Uh, but I think there's just so many ways in which together and, and individually, we just kind of weren't ready for that, for some of that stuff. And there's things I wish we would have done differently to handle that. But overall, as, as far as like the actual doing on the show goes, so much of it was about discovery and about writing something rather than like calling your shot and then getting there. Yeah, that I wouldn't want to take away that element of discovery of like, wh- wh- what are we doing? You know, and just kind of yeah. the shock that we went through that then the audience could could go through with us. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back or change anything. Not, I, yeah, but not necessarily like change anything. But would you tell yourself you're younger, like the first, you know, when you wrote that tweet, like anything that you know now differently or now? 
I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. Other than like, maybe it's just like, I don't know. It's hard because I feel like doing the show and having that level of audience scrutiny in some ways made me a better person. So like saying dumb stuff and then someone saying, don't say that. Or like it hurt my feel, or not even like it was a moral wrong to say it. Yeah. And maybe sometimes it was. But then going through that and then receiving correction, you know, you just wish you wouldn't hurt people ever. Mm. But then you're grateful for the ability to be corrected. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think so. I yeah. my answer is still no. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I was just curious. Yeah. I was just curious. Um well obviously that was a big I mean a big thing that happened. I mean, Gilmore guys took up a big chunk of your life during that time. And um, I wonder, so kind of, I'm only going to ask those questions as much as I would love to ask you a lot more. um, (laughs) I'm only, I'm going to go to onto, well, good Christian fun is of course the show you're doing still currently. Um, And I would love to talk about inside. Is it inside voices, right? Inside voices. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But first, like, finishing Gilmore guys finishing bunhead bros all of that like Mm -hmm. what was the feeling for you of like wanting to do something new and like finding a different audience maybe or trying to do something different like was that daunting was that scary of like what what was going to be yeah well you know it was both it was it was easy and it was hard because it was just like intellectually and what both Demi and I had to tell ourselves as we started our new podcasts, respectively, was this just won't be the same. It yeah. won't be as big. Maybe it'll be as good. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you can't yeah. predict that. But as far as scale or the whirlwind that it was, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It will not be a one-for-one audience carryover. You're not going to be able to sell out theaters across the country. Just, like, let that go. And then once you do that, you have a certain amount of freedom to do what you want to do because is that hard when when you're when you're the first podcast you've ever done is that like isn't that yeah oh totally yeah Yeah. there's like there's a lot of unfair (laughs) ego stuff wrapped into that of like imagine literally the first creative venture you start in comedy is that and then you is snl or something like that well yeah yeah, and and i didn't even have the solution of well clearly i have the Midas touch i was just like crap like it was it was this (laughs) double-edged sword of this is not going to happen again. So just mm. enjoy the ride and be grateful. Yeah. And, and I think I've done that successfully to a degree. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and in some ways I haven't been as successful with that because even, even still those expectations creep in. I'm like, why aren't we growing? Why isn't our, why aren't our numbers <laughs> going up? Why yeah, can't we yeah. do this show in this, in this town, in this part of the country? So it still exists and you, and you just try to, it's a, it's a long process of letting go of that stuff. But, Mm. but I think doing it with a partner and even having the IP that it was and having Gilmore girls as this show, it wasn't like, it's the Kevin show and here I am. Yeah. Those, those created like helpful barriers of safety against hopefully too much egomania or weird pride stuff where I could say, this was an alchemy of different things in time mm. and Demi, who I love and I think is so funny. And so yeah, one in a million generations talented. So 
so whatever I'm experiencing, I can divorce myself. I hope from. you know, like I think that about you too. So I and I appreciate, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to put myself. No, down. no, I, I do appreciate that. But but I but just in the sense of there's so many things that you can say. Don't worry about recreating it. You absolutely cannot. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's like saying, I don't. I just I, like anything that's successful, anything creatively that's successful. There's like there's a hundred thousand things that have to go right with it, yep. with whatever yep. project you experience or see and with, a, yeah. with however anyone's career is. It's so hard. It's such a miracle that anything gets made that's enjoyed and good by anyone. It's really weird that not even the majority that we see, but that the vast majority of all things don't just suck and are bad. So, right. and so, what, I mean, to a certain extent, like what's success, right? Like, yeah. Like theoretically, like I have like what, 10, 12 listeners to be honest like as, but i love doing this show and i love talking with people so and my wife so that's all success. The time, yes if, exactly if that's what you're doing and my wife all the time is like if i were you and i was doing this show i would look at the numbers every day and i would like feel like and i was like yeah but that's not why i'm doing it like i love it because like I just love connecting with people and, and mm -hmm. hearing their stories. And that's well, and, and that's what it has to be. It has to be yeah. podcasts have such a low overhead in terms of cost. And so whatever the creative project you're doing has to be something that is what you want to be doing. You don't have to compromise anything right now. This is pretty much exactly what you want it to be. So if that's success, that's success. If it's a hundred thousand listeners per episode, yeah, then that's success and you aim for that and you try to get to that. But I, I don't, especially now in 2020, I don't recommend people start podcasts for the latter reason. I, I do recommend it for the former reason. I'm not, yeah. I'm not don't a, start a podcast to become famous. <laughs> no, no. What an awful bad idea. Yeah, but like, I, 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 um, I'm not a snob about it. I think podcasts are mm. like music. Like if you're, even if you're not a rock star or even if you don't make any income on Bandcamp yeah. or, or Patreon from it, it's like, you should still have a piano in your house that you play on and you can write your own songs and you can write yeah. in your notebook and that can be That's a creative such an interesting endeavor. parallel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because mu music is just a, a, that's just a life skill. People you've yeah. never heard of are, are as talented as the people you have heard of, but there's, but there's no shame in that. Mm. There's no shame mm. in people not becoming known and not yeah. those those higher levels, it's just what it is. So mm. if you can cultivate that attitude within yourself, then you can live, I think, a, I think a happier life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it, so it's, 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 it's hard. It's easier said yeah. than done. Of like, right, I don't know, just right. divorce yourself of every expectation <laughs> ever, but it's possible. Right. And lots of therapy, right? Yes, um, exactly. <laughs> um, do you, was starting Good Christian Fun, was there any sense of like having Gilmore guys being so successful and then doing good, starting Good Christian Fun of there being a, a level of comfortability of starting something that like you grew up in a Christian household. So you had this like understanding of what you guys would be doing of that comfort a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It was it, to me, it was like answering the question again of like, What's a show that doesn't exist? What would you want to hear as a show, as a listener mm. of podcasts? And what do you feel like only you could do in a particular way? And so I was answering all those questions again. Um, I don't know. I, I had a little bit more confidence just because I'd done Gilmore for a couple of years mm. before. 
but it wasn't it wasn't I didn't feel like a pro at that point I, yeah. I still don't I I still there's so many peers that I have so much more admiration for than mm. like in terms of their like skill set I don't I don't think I suck but I just I still feel like I'm catching up and learning all the time mm. with this even with I mean with like super high level production techniques but just mm. basic flow basic conversation yeah. stuff and, and yeah. sometimes in the middle of an episode I'm like wait how do I do this again and then I'm like remembering as I go <laughs> So I, I think the confidence was like maybe slightly more, but pretty much the same. But yeah, was there that level of comfort though of, of um, you're doing a subject where you are, you are familiar with it? Yeah, but I feel like I, the idea of Christianity or Christian pop culture <laughs> is as much familiarity as I have with Kingdom Girls, where it's like, oh, watch okay. all the episodes yeah. and have the DVDs and Christianity yeah. was like, well, I listened to all that stuff circa... 98 to 2002 but then the rest right. of it, it's just like there's so much that i don't yeah understand. yeah and so you, in some ways, you guys like, show to a certain extent has become something like has kind of become a lot of different things too yeah yeah and it's really daunting because it's a very wide idea of what mm. a show could cover it's not just we're going to talk about this one thing for three yeah. and a half years it's like we're going to talk about <laughs> whatever kind of fits into this amorphous criteria so there's room for more creative creativity and latitude but there's a bad part of that too or not a bad part but just a more challenging part of well it's daunting for sure i'm sure but it's also that's also kind of fun like you can kind of it is yeah what, well it's not it's not on rails it's not yeah. really on rails of like okay 606 is gonna follow and then 607 then right 608. it's but not as structured as gilmore guys was what are we doing this week i don't know like yeah. it's it's new every week and so that's fun mm. to have to invent that every week yeah and it keeps your brain i'm sure uh like you have to kind of constantly think about what you guys are going to put out with that show I, unfortunately that's not true i've been brain dead Oh, that's great. I particularly really loved your um, I Still Believe um, episode. Yeah, what a trip. <laughs> Jeremy Camp. That um, is, uh, yeah, what a, what a film. Watch it on yeah. Hulu.com. Yeah, watch on Hulu go, and then go listen to their episode. It's quite enjoyable. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, with Inside Voices, like, where did that come from from an outsider it just kind of looks like okay now that's your third show like did you feel like the confidence to like uh, host one by yourself like become to, to well you maybe didn't need a guest and like where did that idea come from too uh well that was that was a pitch from headgum that was an oh, idea okay. they brought to me about podcast origin stories that was kind of the the core of the pitch and then we mm -hmm kind of developed it together to make it more broadly about lowercase v voice and uppercase v voice about people's relationship to literally how they sound and then how it manifests in their podcast but then other parts of life personal life other parts of their work life uh and and yeah to make it something more accessible to well i don't host a podcast so why should i care about this well you have a voice yeah. and you probably have thoughts about how you sound you probably like the sound of your voice or you dislike it. It's probably dislike it. Most people dislike the sound of your voice. <laughs> do you um, like the sound of your voice? I do now. Like I, yeah. I, There's things I wish were better about it, but the gap of hearing myself talk out loud right now and listening to it recorded does not exist for me anymore. Mm. 
Mm. It is not shocking to hear myself and go, oh, I'm nasal. Like, what yeah, the yeah, heck? Yeah, like, yeah. that doesn't happen anymore. And, I, and I'm grateful for that because, and that probably took years. I, I don't know. Like, it was, it was a long process. But It's probably no, just because you've been editing your voice so much, right? That's why. That's <laughs> yeah, totally yeah, yeah. why. Yes. So, I, and it's probably changed the way I literally sound. I'm sure I literally, in addition to just time and age, I'm sure I literally talk differently now than I did six years ago because of that. There's probably different cadences I've taken on or mm. shedded and there's different words I use or, or don't use. Well, that's like, just like, and that's too like an unconscious thing. I mean, we probably change like that all the time, right? Yeah. But, uh, but I guess I'm, I've just become more aware of it recently, especially during that show. So, I mean, yeah. what gave me the confidence to do that show without a co-host? I didn't have confidence to do it without a co-host. I was, it's just what I had to do because that was the nature of the show. It's so much easier with a co-host. It's so much easier to yeah. have someone to lean on. But it's a good skill to cultivate mm-hmm. to run that entirely and have that be yeah. the one-way street relationship. It's very intimidating for all those people. Pretty much all those people I on the show, I had some sort of relationship with beforehand right, right. With, a, with a couple of exceptions. But for the most part, I did want that to be the case so it could be more familiar with Hey, so listen, we know this is weird, right? <laughs> that that it could be right. more just like cutting to that other than mm-hmm. hello and thank you for coming on the show. Now yes. blah, 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 and, and just yeah. making it making it feel a little more loose. So so I, I I think that show was successful in some ways and not successful in other ways in the ways I wanted it to be. I don't know if it transcended uh, as Gal Gadot put it in that latest Vanity Fair piece about the Imagine video, she said, I guess it didn't transcend. <laughs> and I don't know if in, Inside Voices transcended. But I, I'm I'm proud of a lot of that show. And there's a lot I wish I did differently and in ways in which I feel like it fell short. And it's easy to say that when it's like a contained thing where it's right. like, it's 20 episodes. Maybe there'll be more one day. There probably mm. won't be more one day. But everything else where it's like, Gilmore guys had 200 and something episodes. GCF is going to have God knows how many. Uh, <laughs> so it's like an ever evolving thing. And so God does know how many. Is there's and be, and so. only him. And that's yeah, special yeah, knowledge yeah. that we can't even come to know until we sit at the right hand of the father. Right. Uh, but, but with those, you can evolve them and you can change and you can course correct. And with that, it's like, those are the 20. Hope you liked it. I guess. Yeah. Bye. You know, and it's, it's contained. So I have a different relationship with thinking about that than I do with the other shows. Was that too, I mean, not that you didn't kind of build Gilmore or GCF from the ground up, but like Inside Voices definitely sounds way more of like, you're definitely kind of building it from the ground up. Was that, what was that like too? Was that challenging? It was fun to have something that wasn't based on someone else's association with another thing. It was like a, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's like based on other people's podcasts, but it was it was something where the concept had to work on its own rather than mm-hmm. you like jars of clay, right? Well, listen to GCF <laughs> or like you like this right. TV show. Well, listen to this. So it was it was a fun challenge to see if there was interest at all mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the answer is like as we increasingly get saturated in the market, just like movies, people gravitate towards IP that they know. And it's very hard to break through, especially if you're not yeah. a celebrity. So, yeah. but I mean, I still stand by the show. It's just, yeah. um, it's hard when you're, when you're not attaching it to something. Because mm. now the IP is eating itself. Like the idea of 
the stars of the office hosting a podcast about the office six years ago is insane yeah now it's expected now that's talking sopranos now it's the scrubs podcast we're fake doctors real friends now yeah like that's just what you have to that's what they have to do to survive and i don't know if we will survive like people <laughs> of a lower tier so it's interesting but if we i don't survive i want to not survive with integrity i guess yes in the sense of I'm probably, you know, I know I do the Maisel stuff sometimes now, but I'm probably not going to do another TV recap podcast. I probably won't do another pop culture tied yeah. podcast. It would, yeah. it would have to be something tied to its own merits, just because, just because it wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't feel good to do other things. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you've done it before. Like, why would you, it's like you know, people that actors that play one role for something like they get and then they get offered you know seven you know octavia spencer said that she's got offered maid parts for everything yeah <laughs> like, oh, totally. she's like, I, I played a, i played the best maid you know quote unquote best maid and um, i don't want to play the podcast maid anymore that's yeah yeah saying. yeah that's what you're saying you've baked so many podcast pies so many saying yes um yeah, I well, I want to say whoever made the artwork for Inside Voice that I love because I love the artwork for it. <laughs> I love the artwork too. I'm very happy with that artwork. I'm happy with that. I I really love the music that we used in that and the composer mm. for that. I I thought, and I thought that was cool that they were just like wholly original pieces to it. Like that the clips that we played were not here's the song everyone knows or here's a yeah. TV show everyone watched like for 20 years ago that they that it existed unto itself. Um, which sounds so basic to say, but it's just like, <laughs> as someone who's made the shows I've made, that's just not the case. With what it's I've also just so such far. an original idea in the sense of like it allows for kind of you know familiar people to for uh, for the audience to hear them talk about something different. Um, yeah, but, yeah, and and something that was accessible and something that everyone has a relationship with, mm. but is specific enough that can still feel surprising yeah because it's like well everyone has a relationship with their voice but you probably haven't described it to a large degree out loud. yeah so i was happy when we landed on that as the concept and that That's felt cool. emboldening and it didn't feel like it would disappear up its own butt of like where'd you buy the mics what how'd you upload <laughs> the podcast it's just questions no one cares about right um before we get to questions that i ask every guest which are sure. all, the all the listeners know of course um, I do want to ask, and we've kind of hinted on it a little bit of like, where do you kind of see podcasting going? Like, what is the future of the medium? Do you think about that often? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Like I, I try to keep up with, I don't listen to a lot of new podcasts all the time, but I try to keep up with things about it. I'm worried about the money going into it now and the things yeah. that might be too big to fail as far as that stuff goes. Um, so I have some concern with that. And just like the amount of time where it's like, Gwyneth, I think does Gwyneth Paltrow host a play, but just like, it's all flattening and it, and it represents this kind of panic everyone has in every other corner of the industry. It's not like they feel secure and now they're gonna come take ours. It's like, they don't feel secure, like in their TV shows, the movie, who knows with the film industry and all that stuff. but. But all of entertainment feels like it's in a state of panic. So they're trying to right. put their eggs in as many baskets as possible mm -hmm. at the behest of their agents at WME and UTA. 
they're doing that. And it's gotten us to this moment now. So I'm I'm concerned about Spotify. Hank Green wrote a great piece about this for the Washington Post, but okay. I am concerned about Spotify's dominance in the market. Mm. It could be hurtful. It could be helpful. It might be hurtful. It might be what <laughs> it might become what like YouTube is to video yeah. creators, mm. where it's like, yeah, it's YouTube. Where it's like, no, the whole thing with podcasting is that it's open source. It's a little teeny tiny bit pirate radio, and there's there's a nice democracy to that, other than like the charts on iTunes, which are meaningless or not meaningless, depending on who you ask. Right. Uh, but I think the more money and the more celebrity gets poured into it, the more vigilant creators have to be about protecting their stuff. And I hope that people like in who make decisions at these networks are also still betting on talent. It's very hard for uh, the kind of person that would have had a show greenlit at a comedy network like Earwolf to get a show there now, because mm. they're not being compared to how did this get made or comedy bang bang. They're being right. compared to Jamila Jamil's podcast, or they're being compared to Jenna Fisher's podcast. And those things just do better business. So creators will have to adapt well and I don't know how they will. And it feels like everything is going to tilt more towards like an a la carte model. With the subscriptions and Patreon, people will subscribe to individual things. It's the biggest source of revenue for Good Christian Bun right now is Patreon right. stuff. Right. Which is like an, an additional episode every week. I don't think that's what people are actually paying for. I think they're just paying for the show generally. Because yeah. it's like it's not like wow, this is worth a dollar fifty. This like I don't think people are yeah. thinking about it like that, but I think it'll continue to tilt that way. I have no idea where it'll go, and I and I do wonder too if like okay, well, when the pandemic's over, Rob Lowe's going to be bored and he won't want to do a show anymore, or, <laughs> or if they'll get into too, too busy. Yeah, if they'll be too busy, or or if they'll be like, you know what, this is only an hour a day, I'll do it, you know, yeah. and because they're in a position and they have a team of support that makes it really easy for them to do mm-hmm. i don't know but it's definitely an anxiety shared with all of my friends who work in the industry <laughs> that are at a similar level as it's so people. funny because i'm on this you know obviously i'm a podcaster and a creator but i am so just like you know scrappy and don't really know a lot about the industry and i know a little bit but not that much and I'm in a very separate, you know, I'm in Virginia, so I'm not like even in kind of the entertainment sphere. So I'm just, yeah, all of that. I, I mean, I, I just kind of go through the motions and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, which is all you can do. I think, Yeah. again, I think more people will start to think about podcasting like music. Mm. Of like, well, okay, you can put out an EP. You're not going to make money. You're going to make five bucks. Right. Like, but if you want to put on EP, you absolutely should. And it might be really rewarding. Yeah. Uh, but the, the financials have changed so much. Mm. With mm. It. And I, I mean, the, ho- I mean, the original intent is that you just do it and like do it because you love it, not because you yeah. want to make money. <laughs> yeah. That's why I did it. And that's why, yeah. that's why I continue to do it to a large degree. Yeah. 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 That's great. Uh, well, thank you for sharing all of that. This mm-hmm. has been wonderful. Yeah. Um, as every guest knows, I as every guest knows. Gosh, I don't even, I don't even know what I'm saying. As every listener knows, there we go. 
Well, every guest knows because you yes, tell us before. That is true. Every guest knows. I, I actually, the first couple, I didn't tell them. I would just kind of spring it on them, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which ended up not being that great. So I learned from that. They were, there would be long pauses in between the, in between me asking it and them. Mm-hmm. But every listener and guest knows that I uh, ask each guest um, two questions at the end of the show. Um, first being, if I was able to hand you a blank check and say, use this towards your passion, how would you use that? Towards my passion, <laughs> honestly, the first thing that comes to mind, and even when you said it, end homelessness. We could end it. It yeah. wouldn't be hard. Bezos could do it. Yes. Gates could do it. They don't want to. I would do it and then I would be a hero and then start a podcast about what a hero. I mean, it would, like to me, there's, I, I don't have any particular creative passion that mm. I think would be more satisfying than something like that, where it's like, oh, there's a problem in the country and it would cost X amount of billions to solve it. Okay, give me the couple billions. I'll do it yeah. and I'll take credit for it. And everyone yeah. will think I'm really nice for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I love that. That's the point. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Please it is great. To compliment me. And uh, of course, on COVID, right? Wouldn't you do that? Uh, no, unfortunately, there's no amount of money that I'll ever get. I mean, I guess I could no. supercharge. I don't, I mean, I don't think the problem is money right now. They're, they're yeah, taking yeah. huge financial risk with it. So, yeah. so I, I'm still sticking with homeless. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, and then secondly, of course, what is something that you're loving right now? And if you need a second to think, I also answer this question. So, well, I got one. It's Haunting of okay. Bly Manor on Netflix. I think oh, great. So, so terrific and so moving. Haunting of Hill House, I think might be Netflix's best show that they put out. Okay. I love it. So, or like one of them, but Mike Flanagan, who directed it, he did Dr. Sleep. He did Mm-hmm. Ouija origin of evil he is such a good I don't like horror that much yeah but the way he uses horror as a vehicle for drama and storytelling I just think is so and trauma stuff I just think it's so terrific and Haunting of Blind Manor is not disappointed it's like a wee little bit less scary from the first one than Hill House okay. which I like uh but it's <laughs> it's such a great ride it's so fun and that's it's good. so moving that's good to hear. We, we watched an episode last night that was just heart-wrenching, which mm. is hard to do in a genre that's not horror in the way that they yeah. did it. It was so cool to, yeah, get to that place using genre conventions, telling yeah. ghost stories about it. I have the first season on my list, but and and the second one I was going to hit too, so I, that's good to know. I'll have to yeah, put them at the I'll top. Have to watch it. I'll have to watch. There's too many things to watch right now, as as we could probably talk about for hours. Yeah, but um, but you got to make choices. Yes, Life is about hard choices. I know. And now I I just kind of go off of you of of friend recommendation. Now. Mm-hmm. 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 So um, I kind of use that as my algorithm. Yeah. So uh, in preparation, we've been uh, emailing back and forth, and we had this date for a couple weeks of this recording, and so I kind of. And thinking about what I was going to say for what I'm loving right now, I kind of was um, anticipating. So tomorrow, the trial of Chicago 7 is coming out. That's um, right, yes. Which is, on Netflix, which is Aaron Sorkin's new film. 
and so I and, and I know you love Aaron Sorkin. Um, I do. I, I have a I have a complicated relationship with <laughs> yes, him. Yes, I'm sure I, you do. I, I love the boy. Yes, but um, I've heard you know I've heard pretty good things about this one. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, so I'm I'm anxiously anticipating. I'm going to watch it tomorrow, and I'm I'm loving that. I'm excited for that. You're loving the feeling of looking forward to a movie again. Yes, I am loving that, and I'm just excited. I mean, it's just so uh, as much. I mean, Netflix has put out so much content during the pandemic. It's kind of crazy, um, and there's still so much to come. So I'm excited for all the content that we get to engulf. Um, but yeah. also to to say something that I also am loving that is in actuality, um, the uh, Retin Link YouTubers do um, Good Mythical Morning, the YouTube show. Highly recommend. I watch it pretty much every day. Not almost. I mean, sometimes I'll miss it, but. Um, yeah, I'm really loving that. They're just, they just do such great. I mean, they've been, they've been doing it for such a long time and they still put out such great work. Yes, very um, prolific. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, their podcast is great too. I don't know if you've heard it, but they have a great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm loving those two things. Yeah, that's what I'm loving. Um, well, Kevin, I'm going to take a second and just compliment you for another second is. Um, Without Gilmore Guys, without you as a person, without you and Demi doing what you did, this this show, Passion Project, would not be a thing. And wow. um, seriously, like I really say I would not have been a podcaster without you. So thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for Gilmore that's, Guys. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's very meaningful. Thank you for saying that. Um, and I, I mean, when... I, I when I started this show, my friends know that I said if I can get Kevin T. Porter on the show, then I will just be so excited. And it happened. And I'm less than a year into wow. my show. And it's what, kind does of that crazy. mean you have to end the show now? I know, I know. I was thinking, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I accidentally killed your show. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just gonna end with this. And yeah, yeah there's really no, like where else can I go, really? Right? No. No, there's no point. There's no point. <laughs> just end it. Yeah. Yeah. But seriously, like genuinely, thank you for doing this. I know we're all busy. I mean, we're all busy, quote unquote. But um, yeah, yeah, I really, really appreciate it. And yeah, it's just, it's great. It's been a really great conversation. My pleasure, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your kind words. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Everyone go follow Kevin, Kevin T. Porter on everything, right? I Kevin T. Porter. I got it on everything. On everything, and go listen. Uh, listen, if you haven't watched or listened to Gilmore Guys, go go back through because you can. It's there. It's there. It's there. It's, it's there, there forever. And then Bunheads, and then Nasal. I mean, it's it's just gonna keep on going, right? Uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> no. until I die. I don't know. It's like Amy Sherman Palladino is my tether. Yes. Uh, in yes. A weird way. Yes. She's like your hunt. Like they're gonna make a haunting of Amy Sherman Palladino, and it's. Ah uh, no! I think she's making it every day with that top hat. Yes. Oh, okay. I think yeah, that's yeah, yeah. True. For sure. For sure. Uh, we'll go listen to uh, obviously good Christian fun. Everyone, go listen to that because you guys are doing great work over there too, with Second Service. Oh, thanks, it's so man. great. Um, oh, thanks. And Inside Voice, check. I mean, we talked all about it, but go check out that show too. Um, all still there. Yeah, I know. All still in the in the ether, wherever it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the in the online ether. Uh, well, thank you again, and everyone, go share this episode with all your friends and family, and go follow Passion Project at passionproject.pod. 
and we will see you guys next time. Bye.